Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 107. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Now, more than any other time, now is a time to stay vigilant. They are captured on video committing appalling crimes against officers who have devoted their lives to protecting the American people. I want to warn you that these images are disturbing. You will see officers being punched, beaten with sticks, flagpoles, and their own shields, as well as being sprayed with a variety of unknown substances. Speaking as a law enforcement officer, but also as an American citizen, it is alarming to watch these videos. It's the FBI's job to identify, locate, and arrest these criminals. We have asked for your help in identifying others involved in violence at the Capitol, and you have delivered. We are coming to you again because we know someone out there, somewhere, will recognize these individuals. That's Stephen D'Antono, Assistant Director in Charge of the FBI's Washington Field Office, asking for your help, asking for our help. The FBI has released 10 videos of what it calls the most egregious attacks on law enforcement officers during the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol, where one officer, Brian Sicknick, died after being beaten by domestic terrorists. 140 officers were injured in the attack. One officer was stabbed with a metal fence stake. Another suffered two crack ribs and two had smashed spinal discs. And many were hit on the head with metal pipes. The FBI has now arrested 300 people in the last two months. And over 400 criminal cases have been filed. The FBI said that over 100 more people will be charged. And the FBI needs our help. They need us to watch these terrible videos, share them, and spread the word. They need us to help find terrorists who attacked our capital in an attempt to overthrow the government. They need us to stay vigilant. The Oscar awards may be coming soon, but this is no movie. This is real life. This is our real life. Things are indeed getting better all across America, but things are still really crazy in America. Things are looking up, but it's still a very, very, very mad world. And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad. The dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you, I find it hard to take. When people run in circles, it's a very, very mad Yep, things are getting better, but things are still really wild. It's a mad world. The FBI is tracking down domestic terrorists. North Korea is firing ballistic missiles again. New variants of the coronavirus are popping up. Schools are still a mess. And number 15, Oral Roberts, shocked number two seed Florida as March Madness kicked off in a flurry. But before you jump on the basketball Cinderella Oral Roberts bandwagon, know that it's a school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, founded by a televangelist 
that bans gay people and promotes conversion therapy. It also bans social dancing on campus. Oral Roberts is also where TV televangelist Joel Osteen went. So in basketball, Oral Roberts beat Florida, which means the alma mater of Joel Osteen beat the home of Governor Ron DeSantis. Even Cinderella in 2021 is crazy. It's a mad, mad world out there, people. Things are looking up. But very crazy shit is still happening. As you probably know by now, a 21-year-old gunman opened fire at a grocery store in Colorado, killing 10 people, including a Boulder police officer. This comes just a week after a terrible mass shooting in Atlanta that left eight people dead. America's getting back to normal, and not in all good ways. Restaurants are back, but so are mass shootings. And we'll get into much more of that with our guest, Team Rubicon founder Jake Wood. He's a former Marine Corps sniper and a gun owner who breaks down shootings from a place of deep experience. Jake's a guy who's good at chaos, and we'll need him now, because chaos, even as things improve, is our new normal. And there's so much chaos out there, sometimes you still miss some really crazy shit. Here's an example. You probably missed the news that a National Guard unit was ambushed this week. In America. Yeah, in Texas. A gunman ambushed a National Guard convoy carrying COVID vaccine in Texas. And our friends at Task and Purpose had the story. Larry Lee Harris, 66 years old, allegedly started following the three National Guard vans that were in Texas after they stopped at a Love's gas station in Lubbock, and he attempted multiple times to run their vehicles off the road. After those attempts failed, Harris then turned his truck in front of the convoy, forcing it to stop. He got out of his truck and aimed his 45 caliber handgun at the 11 National Guardsmen who were unarmed. He was apparently mentally disturbed and thought that there were women and children being held inside the van. By the way, in his mugshot, he also looks like Saddam Hussein. A lot. So this happened in America in 2021. And it was crazy. And there is so much other crazy shit happening that hardly anyone even noticed. This is terrible and scary and all too normal in America. And there's some common threads in all these stories. Mental illness, hate, high-powered weapons. It's a bad mix that's uniquely American in all the wrong ways. It's like a terrible, annoying chorus in a modern Muzak song of America that just keeps coming back over and over and over again. Things are still tough. And it is a mad, mad world. But they're also looking up. Spring is here. March Madness is fully underway and it's been great. The vaccine is coming in fast. Relief checks and PPP loans are out. The Secretary of Defense has done a world tour and is doing all the right things trying to repair our image. And the bald eagle population has increased more than four times since 2009. That's according to a new report by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. It's a huge, historic conservation success story. Inspiring new Interior Secretary Deb Holland made a statement. 
She said, announcements like ours today give me hope. I believe we have the opportunity of a lifetime to protect our environment and our way of life for generations to come. But we will only accomplish great things if we work together. Deb Holland is leading Interior, the first Native American ever to lead a cabinet agency. It's overdue, but it's great news. Amazing news. And so is the return of the bald eagle. And if you listen to this show, you remember that the first day my son returned to school, we saw a bald eagle flying over his school. And they're back. They really are back. And things are getting better. The weather is getting warmer. People are safely getting together again. Basketball is happening. Baseball is happening. Monster Jam is happening. And Justin Bieber has a new album. And don't hate. It's actually a good thing. The new Justin Bieber album is fire. For real. The way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me. Feel so holy, 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 holy. Oh, God. Running to the altar like a track star. Can't wait another second. Because the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me. Feel so holy. Things are looking up. And here's more evidence. Just before I recorded this, President Biden signed the Save Lives Act into law. It's a new law expanding the Department of Veterans Affairs authority and allowing them to provide COVID vaccines to all veterans, their spouses and caregivers nationwide. All of them. This is a very big deal. It could vaccinate tens of millions of people quickly and safely. And this is what pulling out all the stops looks like. And it was rare bipartisanship. Congressman Mark Takano, a Democrat from California, worked together with Congressman Mike Bost, a Republican from Illinois. And on the Senate side, John Tester, one of my favorites, a Democrat from Montana, and Jerry Moran, Republican from Kansas, got together. Bipartisan unity on an important issue. It's rare, but it happened. And new VA Secretary Dennis McDonough says the new change will increase the number of individuals eligible for vaccines through the VA from 9 million to more than 33 million. This is a very big deal. It's one of the biggest injections of reinforcements in our fight against the virus we've seen yet. It's a total game changer. Also worth noting, this might be the single best thing ever done by Congress and a president to repair the Department of Veterans Affairs brand, improve their trust with patients, and encourage vets to enroll in VA for the first time. It's another example of the big reinforcements that are on the way, and an example that good news is flowing. Yeah, it's a mad world, but things are warming up in America, and hope is finally spreading faster than the virus. And it looks like the second half of 2021 will be a whole lot better than the last year we've experienced. That's thanks to a dramatic increase in focus, coordination, national leadership, and teamwork. It's also thanks to courageous leaders who can navigate in chaos, who can rise to the moment, who can make sense of the mad world. Leaders like our guest, social entrepreneur, Marine Corps combat vet, author, father of two, and CEO and founder of the disaster relief powerhouse nonprofit, Team Rubicon. Our guest, 
Jake Wood. Now, you may remember Jake joined us at the start of the pandemic in episode 54 last year. Almost one year exactly, he's back. And now he's leading a massive effort that's administered 617,000 vaccines nationwide and counting. He launched the Veterans Coalition for Vaccination, already vaccinating over half a million people in places from the Navajo Nation in Arizona to inner city Chicago. He's united six of the nation's top veterans organizations. Team Rubicon leading the way with Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America, IAVA, the group I founded, Student Veterans of America, Team Red, White, and Blue, The Mission Continues, and Wounded Warrior Project. It's a model for American unity. And united under Jake's leadership, these groups have more than a million veterans at their disposal and have created an unprecedented coalition to overcome the geographic and socioeconomic barriers and get vaccines to hundreds of thousands of people. Things are getting better in much of America. And it's because of leaders like Jake. Now, it's not all roses. It's still a mad, mad world. A new mass shooting happened in Colorado. The FBI is still hunting down insurrectionists. Domestic extremism threats are on the rise. And there's still tremendous misinformation preventing millions from getting vaccinated. But Jake is tackling all of it. And he joins independent Americans and me for a blunt and inspiring conversation about the most urgent issues facing us all. Jake's a true leader. He's also the father of a newborn baby girl that faced down dangerous and harrowing heart surgery just days after being born. Jake opens up about what that was like and what he learned. We also rip into how America can find a better future and how to stay strong even when you're tired and exhausted. And of course, he makes an incredibly hard call. Pancakes or waffles. Jake's back, and he's another example of hope and independence. I don't know if Jake Wood is a Democrat or a Republican, but I know he's a leader. Like so many social entrepreneurs, like so many in nonprofit. He's not a partisan. He's a patriot. And Jake shows that we can unite and get big things done, important things, if we stay united and if we stay vigilant. Because vigilance is the price of democracy. And Jake is a guy who's been paying it for decades now, in uniform, and especially after he took that uniform off. He's a guy who put in the work so we can have that great summer in a few months, so we can have our VC day our victory over the coronavirus day on July 4th, Independence Day. We talked about that goal in the last episode. And we talked about how it's never, ever a good bet to bet against the American people. And Jake Wood and Team Rubicon and our slow but improving American comeback is proof of that. In America's war against the virus, leaders like Jake are our Minutemen the ones who grab their bags and go while others are still hemming and hawing or making excuses. I said it in every episode. Either you're with us or you're against us. Either you're with America or you're with the virus. Either you're with America or you're with the extremists. Either you're a part of the future 
or you're a part of the past. You're either helping America win or you're helping America lose. And Jake is helping America and inspiring and empowering hundreds of thousands of others to do the same. It's how we'll defeat the virus and domestic extremism. And we'll explain why. Yeah, it's a mad, mad world. But we're on the right track. We're winning. And we'll get there. Despite the mistakes, despite the haters, despite the spring breakers on South Beach, we will get there if we just stay vigilant. Because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. It's a mad world. But after the last two decades of craziness since 9-11, we've got a generation of leaders who are used to it, who have grown up in it, who can handle it. Leaders who can handle both political parties failing us. Leaders who can handle when the media is failing us. Leaders who can get things done. Things that nobody else can. Leaders who are vigilant. Leaders who understand and embody the five eyes: Independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. More and more of these leaders are independent Americans, just like us. Leaders who understand hope is the oxygen of democracy, and that the vaccine represents that hope. Purpose represents that hope, and America can still represent that hope, first here in the United States, then to the rest of the world. That's the hope we have. That's the hope we need. That's the hope others need, too. That's the oxygen of our democracy. And maybe the best and only kind of democracy we should be spreading to other countries around the world. It's what can happen in the months after we get through this summer. As Europe drags on in its vaccination, and many countries around the world haven't even started, America can protect itself and then protect others more than our military ever could. And maybe more than any other time in American history, we can be like those Navy recruiting commercials. We can be a global force for good. And as always, more than any policy change, election result, or legislation, That help comes from each of us, each of us getting the vaccine, each of us spreading good info, each of us sharing the hope, each of us being a helper. It's a mad, mad world. But that mad world is yours. The world is yours. The world is ours. And independent Americans will continue to guide you through it as best we can. Independent Americans are growing all across this country. And more and more of those independent Americans are leading America's recovery, rising to meet the moment. And social entrepreneurs like Jake Wood will be some of the most important. They're another brand of independent Americans that can guide us to a better future. They're not partisans. They're not professional politicians. They're not blowhard pundits. They're not summer soldiers. They're not sunshine patriots. 
They're the ones solving the hard problems, making the big changes. And often, they're doing it on limited resources, on nonprofit salaries, without 401ks, without retirement plans, without big money and golden parachutes. Social entrepreneurs are another group of independent Americans who are fighting the hardest fights. They're the winter soldiers. They're the real leaders. And they're some of the most important independent Americans of all. They're our new patriots. And they're the future of our nation and the world. And they, more than ever, must stay vigilant, just like the rest of us. It's a mad world. But it is getting better. We're on the right path if we can continue to grind it out. And don't be selfish. Facing down the virus and maybe other viruses might be our new normal. But the madness of our response doesn't have to be. We can approach it with a cool head, strong leadership, and national unity. If we stay frosty. And if we stay vigilant. Welcome to the better future we've all been working for. Welcome to the future that's also bringing back many of our problems from the past. Welcome to America's comeback. New, different, and probably better, but still crazy as hell. Welcome back to our mad, mad world. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 107. Ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world. Spring is finally here. Things are looking up in much of the country, but we are still going through some difficult times. And I'm very happy to bring back a returning champion who's helped things get better. Uh, We spoke to him almost exactly a year ago uh, this month, and he's been making good shit happen ever since. So I'm very happy, privileged, excited to bring back the great and powerful Jake Wood. How are you, my <laughs> friend? Welcome back. Hey, I'm good, man. Too, too kind in the introduction. It's good to be back on the show, though. And you have, uh, I think you're the first guest ever to have a backward baseball cap on the show. So I celebrate that. I was going to wear a hat and I was like, you know, I don't think I could wear a hat on my show, but I'm glad that you did. Hey, I dressed for radio today, man. <laughs> but, but you look good for video because we've got video <laughs> too. If folks go to independentamericans.us, go to the YouTube page. Um, But welcome back, man. Great to have you here. A lot has happened in the last year in America, in the world, but a lot's happened in your world, too. You have a new book, Once a Warrior, is now out. You have a new baby girl, uh, and you have a new national coalition that's been helping a ton of people nationwide. But let me go to the question that I think is, is always important. Where are you, Jake, and how are you? Yeah, well, uh, I am. I'm home in Los Angeles. My my organization, Team Rubicon, is still working uh, remotely. So I'm 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 dialing in live from uh, from my headquarters, which is which is my garage, and I'm doing good, man. I I you know I I am energized right now, despite having a four month old at home that uh, got me up at three thirty this morning. Because uh, I think this country is starting to turn a corner. I know that you know the, the group I lead is is playing a part in that, which is inspiring. And I, 
you know, I think that there's there's a better second half of 2021 that we're we're barreling towards, and I'm excited to I'm excited to get there, man. I love that. I love that. You, but we talk a lot about the helpers, and I've talked a lot about your leadership, and I've talked about Team Rubicon. We've encouraged folks to volunteer, to join, to be a part of it, and, and it's a true movement. But um, you know, nothing is more entrepreneurial than than having a family, and especially a family in the pandemic. And you've been really, I think, brave and courageous and open and talking about. Um, you know, how difficult the recent birth of, of your daughter was. Can you, uh, my son ended up in the NICU, my oldest son, I shared with you for the first week or so he was born. And that was some of the scariest, hardest stuff I've ever been through. And I've been to combat, you've been in a ton of difficult situations. Um, as much as you're, you're comfortable, Jake, can you share what that experience was like for you and, and for your family? Yeah. So my, my wife got pregnant, uh, last year, uh, early in the pandemic, there's a, a pandemic baby, uh, probably a bunch of those popping up. Um, and a, a couple months in, we learned through her OB that the, the child had uh, a, a very serious congenital heart defect called uh, transposition of the great artery, which meant that basically like, all the arteries that went into her heart were reversed. They weren't where they were supposed to be. And it's a totally unsurvivable condition outside of the womb. And uh, without intervention. And, and so, one, we felt really lucky that we got this diagnosed and we had the ability to spend the last couple of months of that pregnancy building a plan. And then, two, it just put, really put life in perspective for us because you know, we have great insurance. We live in Los Angeles with access to literally the best pediatric heart surgeons in the world. And we were able to line up an amazing surgeon and care team. And, but it was wild. You know, we, we, my wife delivered in COVID. I had to go with the baby in an ambulance to a different hospital, like immediately leave my wife alone behind, take that baby. And, uh, you know, the next three days were the most terrifying of my life. Uh, you know, she, the, the baby spent three days where they were struggling 24 hours a day to keep her stable. They had to wait three days to do the surgery because they had to wait for the lungs to decompress. And I saw these amazing nurses and doctors and te technicians just working around the clock to keep her alive. And uh, it, was, it was terrifying in a way that, you know, guys like you and me who have been in combat, uh, it's hard to even fathom because it's, totally, it's a totally different enemy. And it's a totally different love. And then the moment I had to hand that little girl, her name's Lila, over to a surgeon that Monday, it was a Monday morning. And I knew she was going to be gone for six hours and they were going to rip her chest open, put her on a heart lung bypass machine and cut all of her arteries off her heart. I just sat there and I thought to myself, for the first time in my life, I felt like I had no control. Um, but again, like for us, for my wife, for myself, we took it as an opportunity to take stock of our life. And again, you know, we got that whole thing cost a million and a half dollars. We got a $3,000 bill at the end of the day because we have insurance. You know, there were people on that floor that, you know, couldn't even, you know, they, they could only come in at night to see their child because they couldn't take the time off work to be there 24 hours a day like we were. You know, they were going to get that big ass bill at the end. Um, and then I th think about all the places I've been around the world, all the different countries. And I know that if that, if my daughter had been born in Afghanistan or Iraq, where I spent, you know, part of my adult life, that baby would not have survived. It would have died within 30 minutes of childbirth because of that condition. So... It was a wild time, man. But it, 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 you know, as with many of the moments I've had in my life, it put things in perspective, and I, I feel really, really blessed. I am um, grateful that you shared it, and I think mo many folks have been grateful that you've been sharing this journey and, and, and your family's journey 
um, because I, I know I felt more isolated when Ryder was in the NICU than maybe at any other time in my life. And I remember my wife not being able to see him for a couple of days, the fear, the anxiety, but also the inspiration of seeing those people who were on the front lines. I think NICU nurses are the baddest people I've ever seen. Yeah. In my life. They're incredible. Right. And yeah, yeah. We know that. And I, I, you know, now in retrospect, he's five and a half, you know, I, I think back to how, you know, how tough that moment was and how maybe it made him stronger and maybe it made us stronger, but you have, I'm glad Lila's great. And you guys have this beautiful family that's inspiring. And, you know, of course she's tough, right? Of course your little yeah. girl is going to be, is going to be tough. You've been through a lot of stuff, Jake. Is there anything that you, you realize now going through that, going through the last year, going through all you've been through, you've been through more stuff than almost anybody I know, but you keep positive and you keep inspiring people. Any tricks of the trade? You know, some folks are, are, it's not getting better for them. It's going to be hard for a while. If you were going to give them, you know, some coaching, some leadership coaching, you used to play football. If you were going to coach a younger <laughs> version of yourself, what would you tell folks? How do you get through tough times like that? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know that there's a recipe. I think, I think there's probably people that have a lot healthier uh, habits for getting through them than maybe I do. Uh, but I, I guess I'm, you know, I, I, I'm always a nose to the grindstone guy, you know, and, and I'm a big believer that. It, it, you know, these, cl these cliches ring true, man. It's like tough times don't last, tough people do. It's the Stockdale paradox, you know? And, and I, I, was, I, was, I was giving a talk to one of Team Rubicon's partners the other day, at like uh, Farmers Insurance, 25,000 employees. And they said, Jake, can you come in and give a talk that, that helps people just cope with the grind as they're 11 months into this COVID thing? And I, and I invoked, you know, Admiral Stockdale from Vietnam. And for your listeners who don't know, Stockdale... You know, POW in Vietnam, highest, highest ranking POW of the, of the war. He was in the Hanoi Hilton for seven and a half years. And, and Jim Collins, the famous business author, once asked him, like, what was the difference between the guys that's, that lasted and the guys that didn't? And he said, you know, the guys that didn't last were the ones who fooled themselves into thinking that they'd be home by Easter or be home by Thanksgiving or be home by Christmas. And then those, those, those false horizons would come and pass and they, they would just lose hope. And he said... You know, the key to surviving tough times is is embracing the brutal reality of what you're facing, but at the same time, never losing hope that you're going to prevail in the end. And mm. so, you know, I guess that's kind of my life philosophy. You're going to get punched in the face. All you can do is just kind of clench your jaw and fight back. I think that's so important, man. It, it's so important to hear you clarify that. And, you know, especially now that we sit here in, in the spring of 2021, because, you know, I've been doing my best to, to, to keep grinding and encourage other folks to recognize that there aren't any silver bullets. Yeah. It's going to be hard. Harder things will come. Right. And folks thought maybe the election was going to be, everything was going to be better. Then it was inauguration. Then it was the vaccine. There's not a silver bullet that's going to make everything go away, whether it's a stimulus check or, you know, a, a vaccine. So I think that perspective is important in stealing people for what looks like it's going to be, you know, still a couple of hard years, maybe a hard new normal. Um, also, Think some things are coming back to normal in a bad way. As we have this conversation, there's this mass shooting in Boulder. Um, I've yeah. said repeatedly, I think veterans like us can be a bridge on this issue. Independence, especially, I hope can be a bridge on maybe one of the most vexing and divisive issues. But what's your takeaway, man? That you're a parent, two little kids, you see this happen. We're all still concerned about it happening in schools all the time. What's your takeaway as, as a thought leader in this country who cares deeply about where we're all going? Yeah, it, it's so confusing and frustrating. And, you know, 
I, I can't stop thinking about Einstein's theory of insanity, right? It's, it's doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. If we can't first acknowledge that we have an issue in this country, right? We have an issue with, with mass shootings. Like, just think about that for a second. We have an endemic mass shooting phenomena that is unique to any country in the world. Like, that's not the type of American exceptionalism that we want to be pursuing. Um, you know, so first of all, we just have to accept like, that's the reality. This is a, this, that this is a problem. If we can't, if we can't center on that, then we're not going to have much in the way of productive conversations. I'm a believer in the second amendment. I own rifles. I don't own any in California, but I, I keep some back in, in Iowa. And I, listen, I enjoy shooting them for sport. Um, you know, but do I, do I personally feel the need to have an AR-15? No. Do I own one? I do. I, I, because I have the right to, because I carried one, you know, in the Marine Corps. And like, you know, frankly, it's like, you know, if I was a professional baseball player, I'd probably keep a baseball bat. And every once in a while, I'd want to go to the batting cage, even though I'm not trying to make money at it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, but, if, but if you ask me the question, should anybody be able to walk in off the street and buy one? I'd say we should really probably be able to have a thoughtful conversation about that. And, I, you know, I could fall on either side of that issue, but I think we really need to have that debate. We need to be able to have it sensibly without anger. And, um, you know, I think that the underlying issue, which only in the last couple of years has begun to get enough of the attention, you know, there's, there's a gun control conversation that we have to have, a sensible one. But the real, I shouldn't even say the real, the other part of that conversation is mental health. Right. And what are we doing about the mental health crisis in this country, which has been dramatically underfunded, under-researched, under-acknowledged over the last 50, 60, 70 years, which, which is only getting worse, which things like COVID have contributed to? So, yeah, I mean, Paul, like you and I, we're not going to solve this problem, but I, I agree with you that we can be a part of maybe a sensible conversation about these issues because it does bridge into our past in the military. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, Jake, it's really important to define the goal, right? The pilots often say, start with the target, right? What's the target? Yeah. We have a mass shooting problem. Everybody yeah. thinks that's bad. How do we solve it? And then trying to get yeah. towards solutions. I, I'm maybe a little more hopeful that guys and gals like us actually can solve it because I don't know who else can, right? I think veterans yeah. are in a really unique, you're a, you know, you were a sniper in the Marine Corps. You know what you're talking about. Having people with subject matter expertise, I think is really important as we have these difficult conversations and, you know, bridge builders, you know, we'll, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later. I don't know if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care. You know, if we were in the Marine Corps together, I wouldn't care either. And if you can get things done, I don't care. And maybe that's, you know, something that we need to try to elevate is leaders who who are, you know, independent politically and who are trusted across partisan lines and don't have political agendas. Um, but I, you know, I think you especially and, and our community are going to be in a really important place to move this forward. Kind of related. Yeah, I think, kind of, well, I was just, just going to say one thing. I mean, I, I think you're right. There's a credibility that comes from from the background. And I remember a conversation I had where, you know, somebody wanted to debate whether or not you know, AR-15 style rifles, also known as assault rifles, like, you know, whether, you know, whether they actually contributed to higher death counts and, and, and whether they made mass shooting easier. And, and this person wanted to argue that they didn't. And I was like, listen, that's a foolish argument as a sniper, which you just mentioned it was. Yeah. Like we were trained on bolt action rifles, which have, you know, farther ranges in, you know, lethal ranges. But if we were going into an urban environment where we, you know, multiple target engagement, like literally that was the decision criteria, 
we took an AR-10 platform, right? A heavy caliber AR-15 because for precisely that reason, so that we could kill more people faster. And so like, that's why these things were designed. So don't give me this bullshit that they, they aren't any more lethal. They are more lethal. So now let's just move. That's, that shouldn't be debated. Let's just talk mm-hmm. about the facts and the debate should be centered on should people have access to them? If you're arguing yes, like what is the rationale? If you're arguing no, like, you know, let's, let's, let's just come and have that reasonable conversation, but let's not argue about crap that frankly, there's, there should be no debate about. Yeah. I, that, 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 that experience and the way you describe it is so important. Like to explain to people practically, tactically, how you would change weapons and why, right? You don't want to reload your sniper yeah. rifle. If five guys are running at you, you don't have time for that. So you need to change weapons. And I think that that is really, really important. You know, the second amendment, in my view, doesn't extend to, you know, giving you the right to have an RPG or a bazooka or whatever you want, right? And I think mm-hmm. having that perspective from guys and gals in our community is really important. And this is happening. Another issue I've got to get your thoughts on, Jake. There was an insurrection since last time we spoke to you, yeah. right? As many as, you know, one in five of the folks who were part of that were prior military. Uh, there's been a lot of analysis of the Oath Keepers and the military tactics that were used at time. Of course, you and I know that also Officer Goodman, who responded and was heroic, was a veteran. There are plenty of other veterans. But there's a problem here, right? There's a problem, whether it's, you know, one guy or 100 guys, it's a very severe problem. It's a dangerous problem that I think the military hasn't confronted aggressively enough at a policy perspective in the past. And we know that this is out there, right? A, a guy tried to ambush a National Guard uh, vaccination convoy yesterday in Texas, right? There, this is a, a new environment. Um, what are your takeaways? The insurrection happened, you know, whether it's thinking about veterans being a part of it or not, it was maybe the greatest test to our democracy we've seen since we've been adults. What, what do you think, Jake? What are your takeaways? I mean, never did I think that in my life I would see our Capitol building stormed, you know, in, a, in an election attempt to be disrupted? I, you know, the, to the to the element of of the the high proportion of veterans that were in that crowd, I think it's a concern. I think we we are facing a real crisis here. And I, I was having a conversation with somebody just yesterday where, you know, I made I made the I made the point that the people, the veterans who are joining these extremist groups, are really only slightly different than the veterans who are joining groups like Team Rubicon, right? What are they in search of? They're in search of purpose. They're in search of an identity that they can be proud of. They're in search of a community. And they find it in these groups. Like that's, it's, it's the same way that ISIS recruited, right? They, they preyed upon people who were at this vulnerable moment in their life where they were in search of something and they find it in these, in these radical ideologies. And, and I'll take it one step further. So, you know, a lot of our generation of veterans, I think, are are really beginning to grapple with, was my war worth it? And this is something I explored a lot in the book, right? Like a lot of people, Afghanistan was worth it because they attacked us on 9-11, but was it still worth it in 2012? Like if you were in the Marine, if you were in 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines in, in 2011 and you were in Helmand Valley and you lost 20 guys, was is that, how connected was that still to 9-11? And so, you know, the righteousness of your war and then, you know, Iraq, I mean, I know you've been outspoken about this, you know, we shouldn't, we should no longer debate whether it was driven by faulty intelligence. We can, we can, you can have a reasonable debate about motive, but, you know, a lot of people still clung to some nobility of the war in Iraq based on the progress that we made. Hey, we, it's a democracy now, women are being educated and, you know, and there's all this, well, then ISIS wipes that out. 
right? And so now you, there's just simply, it's hard to rationalize the wars that you fought. So now you come home and you have the opportunity to find the righteous cause to fight for, and it's to save our democracy. Boy, that's a fucking compelling, that's a compelling recruiting pitch to somebody who came home and is disenchanted with the war that they got. It's dangerous. I'm so glad we're at this point because I think you and I are in a really unique position to talk about this, right? We had hundreds of thousands of members at IAVA and, and we both knew guys and gals like that, that were lost. They were searching for something. They were searching for purpose and, and, and it's happening now, right? Like in the same way, you know, you can't kill every ISIS member in the world. It's not, you, you got to work at the hearts and minds and try to get them from becoming extremism and de-radicalize them further upstream. And that's what Team Rubicon is, is doing, you know, it, it, even if it's for a couple people, right? Maybe you get to one person that would have gone into a worse life of crime or whatever, and they find this purpose and you get hooked into them. It's a lot like when you and I were playing football. How many guys do we know that if they didn't find football, they would have had a totally different life, right? That was me growing up. And so I really, I think exploring why people become radicalized is not really happening in this country right now. Why, we never discussed it about Iraq and Afghanistan, and now we're not discussing it here. Everybody wants to know why hasn't the FBI caught these guys, you know, what's, but they're not really thinking about what's happening in their mind and understanding where they're coming from. So I've really been trying to encourage options, alternatives, in the same way we needed to give Iraqis jobs, right, so they wouldn't pick up a weapon. We need to give them Team Rubicon, or, you know, uh, or, or AmeriCorps or some other way to be involved so they don't go to the Oath Keepers. So what, what can be done, you know, at the policy level, right? To, and I want to go into what you're doing now with vaccinations, because I, I encouraged folks a year ago, you know, it was a way to get out of the house. We couldn't get out of the house. You could join Team Rubicon and you get out of the house and be a part of it. Now you've taken that much further. But what needs to happen at the high level before we get to what you're doing right to de-radicalize people, people that we know that we served with, what do you think is, is helpful to tackle what, what I also think is maybe the greatest national security, domestic security threat we face? Yeah, well, I mean, you've known me for long enough to know that I'm not a policy wonk. Um, and, and so I won't be That's able to- That's why I asked you, though. That's why <laughs> I asked you, though, because you're pragmatic and you're the guy who will give the answers that the policy wonks won't. Well, I mean, first, you know, you mentioned tackling these issues upstream. I think we have to be thoughtful in how we, and how we do that and how we attack upstream. Um, you know, what- and, and you also mentioned, you know, the, the key to intervening upstream in places like Iraq and Afghanistan was to make sure these young men got jobs. Young men don't do anything but bad stuff when they're economically disenfranchised. I'm, I'm sorry, like, call me sexist, whatever. Like, we do really dumb stuff when, when we don't have economic opportunity. And I, I would argue that's probably almost a uniquely male thing, at least in the parts of the world that I've been to and seen. And so... You know, this, the, the in, income inequality, uh, economic inequality that we're seeing in this country is a, it's a massive threat to the future of this country. And I think it's in part what is leading to a lot of this. I think, you know, a lot of these extremist groups are feeding off of this um, economic disenfranchisement that people have experienced. They, they, for the first time, are not getting the American dream that they were promised. And, and it's, you know, in some ways, it's a, it's a bit kind of coming full circle because typically the economically disenfranchised have been minority groups and, and they are still economically disenfranchised, statistically speaking. But now that's coming back and it's, it's hitting white working class, um, you know, Rust Belt America in a way that is really causing a lot of, a lot of this disruption and, and creating these 
opportunities for, for extremism. I don't know what we do about speech online. You know, this, all, all of this talk about how do we regulate, um, you know, internet companies and hold them accountable for hate speech. Frankly, I, I, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what's right by the constitution, but I know that we have got to figure it out. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not much of a believer in kind of a literal interpretation of a document that was written, you know, two centuries ago. I think it's a brilliant document that has clear flaws. No more evidenced by the dozens of amendments that have been made in, you know, in the, in the deck, in the century since. Right. And so we, I, I'm not a, I'm not someone who, who buys into this idea that our country can't evolve as the nature of the human race evolves. Mm-hmm. And, and so we have to be thoughtful about that. But at the, at the end of the day, we're governed by a constitution. So we have to work within it or we have to change it to, to adapt to times that are adapting. But again, we need people a lot smarter than me, brother, to figure that out. Yeah, well, I also think this is not a, you know, there, there are no perfect solutions right about that. But, but there's an insight in this, in this conversation we're having that I, that I hope folks think about. What we do need is more of you and more of Team Rubicon and more alternatives. And, and for that to be a even more appealing, even more um, um, present, uh, even more available option for people. So they take the good road instead of the bad road. So I'm going to always be an advocate for not just donations and corporate funding, but government support for programs like yours and the ones that I ran and, and worked with because I saw them work, right? And I think, you know, the FBI is still trying to track these guys and gals down right now, right? There's still some of them that are out there, but the country's not thinking enough about how, how to get them not to convert. And, and I think yeah. Team Rubicon is, is maybe one of the best things I can think of, right? I mean, and, and you and I, I think especially as white men, have to talk as loudly and as, and as consistently as possible about these issues to appeal to other white men who might only listen to us, right? In, in, this, in this time where uh, it is more complicated than that, but I really think it's an important issue for us who come from vulnerable places that could have been, you know, in a different world, maybe I could have been radicalized, maybe you could have been radicalized, um, but we didn't go that way. So I really think amplification of the work that you're doing is, is critical. And let's talk about maybe the best example from the last year, which is you launched the, the, the Veterans Coalition uh, for Vaccination. This is yeah. like, you know, the Marshall Plan for veterans. I love this. You know, I was encouraging it and I'm supporting it in any way that I can. But this is kind of like uh, maybe Team Rubicon's greatest moment yet. You guys keep coming with great moments and, and rising to the to the demand of what this country requires. But this is like, it looks like all that stuff coming together uh, and you truly leading this and your organization leading it. Now, last time I checked, you were over 617,000 people vaccinated. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're, you know, it's, it's interesting because we did a ton of work in COVID last year. Um, not anything that we ever expected to have to do as an organization, but... Um, you know, late in the year, we knew that there were going to be several viable vaccines. We also knew that there was really no plan. And, and, that's, and that's in part, you know, that lays at the administration's feet. It, but it's also, a, it has to lay at the feet of, this is just an, a, a disaster of such epic proportion. Uh, vaccinating people isn't necessarily a federal government challenge. It's a county government challenge. And there's over 3,000 counties in the country. So, so we felt like we had the opportunity with our decade of experience in operational planning and execution within those 3000 counties to, to help. And so we began building out a playbook for vaccine support 
And then we realized, well, even with 150,000 of our own volunteers, we won't even be able to like scratch the surface of human capital requirements that are necessary. So we went out, found a bunch of great organizations like IADA and others, um, and pulled together this Veterans Coalition for Vaccination to, to bring them together to support these sites across the country. And right now we're supporting about 50 sites. We've done you know, well north of a half million vaccine support um, work. And, and you know, we want to scale the 500 sub sites supported across the country. We're, we're fundraising against that. Um, but there's another element of this too, which I think plays to the conversation we've been having, which was you know, the Pew Research Every year, they talk about who the most trusted demographics in the country are. And every year, veterans in the military rank number one uh, as having the, you know, the highest degree of public trust and confidence uh, in the U.S. They rank higher than scientists, which is unfortunate uh, and should probably flip-flop here <laughs> forward, but certainly higher than, uh, than politicians and elected leaders, corporate uh, executives, even higher than teachers and some others that you might think uh, would rank up there. And so we thought, okay, when 40% of America is indicating that they're not going to take the vaccine for a variety of reasons, some grounded in reality, others not, how do we leverage that, that trust and efficacy that veterans have to try to convince Americans to do their part? And so, you know, we, 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 we went to, you know, the old World War II style posters, you know, Rosie the Riveter and the Victory Gardens and, you know, hey, go you know, go fight in Europe and, and recreated those for the modern age with a really diverse cast of, 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 of people representing them. And, uh, and really are trying to convince America that, listen, this isn't about you. This isn't about you. Yes, you have individual choice and liberty and nobody's going to force you to get a vaccine, but reframe how you're thinking about it. It's not about you. It's about your country. It's about your neighbors. And like, Jesus, man, I think about like, if after Pearl Harbor, the majority of young American men said, well, I'm not going to go to war, I might die. Where the fuck would we be? Right. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't volunteer to go fight the Japanese or the Nazis because it was in their best interest. It was adverse to their freaking interest, but they did it anyway. And like, how are we making this about my body, my choice? Like, yeah, of course it is. Of course it's your body, it's your choice. Make the right choice. And just it just frustrates the hell out of me, man. Just frustrates the hell out of me. But you you break it down so well. Like that 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 clip is going to be really important. And the the ads are awesome. You know, I love the ads. I think they're yeah. they're, they're these amazing uh, iconic uh, ads you put together. But I, I think the framing is really important too. I mean, I said it early on. You know, you wear a mask. Don't kill Norman Lear, right? Who we had on, who was ninety eight years old, or don't risk your daughter. Right. Or, or anyone else who is vulnerable here. And I think that's starting to break through. But it is that grassroots conversation that a, a guy's having with his buddy or, you know, people I'm having it with my family right now. I mean, there are people in my family that have been really resistant. They're driving me crazy. And, you know, it's going to fuck up Easter. Like, come on, what are yeah. we doing, guys? Like, let's figure this out. Right. Um, but I think you are in the lead role. And look, 17 billion dollars is going to the VA in this new COVID relief, a uh, trillion dollars or whatever it is going across the country. Am I right that you all aren't getting any of that? We're not getting any of that, no. And is that by that, choice or is that by like, are they not giving it to you or would you not take <laughs> it? Or like, I look at the scale, right? The VA this week is going to open eligibility to anybody with a DD-214 and their spouse. So that could be literally tens of millions of people quickly, right? I don't know if there's any way to get more people vaccinated quickly than flipping that switch. But yeah. why aren't they giving it to you guys and saying, hey, put this on steroids so you don't have to go hat in hand to 
all these companies. Yeah, well, we are we are launching a partnership with the VA to support their their operations and in, in particular the rural delivery, which is you know where a lot of veteran populations live. Great. And and we're you know in, in our hats off to the VA. They they are doing everything that they can to cut through the the red tape and the bureaucracy that they're known for. And and so we're probably activating with them under what's called the fourth mission, yep. um, which is which is just a really good outside the box way of, of approaching it. So. But no, we're not getting any of that money. And, and you know, this is not, uh, you know, it's not because we don't want it. It's, it's just simply the, how the, you know, the, the, how money moves. And but it's also, Jake, you're, you're a creative leader. You're one of the most creative leaders I've seen operate for the last couple of decades, right? There's a lack of creativity here, right? Like there's a lack of creativity in government, whether it's the CDC or the VA. And I, and I give McDonough credit. I think he's off to a good start. I think he's doing, you know, the first year could be do all the shit that Wilkie should have done for the last year, right? That's probably true of Biden too. But but I think you all are in a really unique position to to you know, you're a sniper, put steel on target, right? Like yeah. make things happen uh, in a way that that's that's not just creative but effective. So I hope that this crisis can be an opportunity for that new kind of partnership and that new kind of innovation. Um, it's not happening in politics, right? Politics is still seems to be more solidified. We've been talking a lot on this show about how more and more people are independent. Uh, last time I asked you if you would run for something, you said no. You're still in California. Maybe you could run for governor or maybe you could go back to Iowa or maybe you can go to Wisconsin. Wes Moore wouldn't commit on this show a couple weeks ago. But what about you, man? Can we draft you to run for anything? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Listen, I, I uh, you know, it's... It, it, we have something really special here at Team Rubicon. Uh, as you said, like the impact that we're having right now across the country, I, I couldn't have that impact as a representative of a small district somewhere. It's simply put, I just couldn't. I have, I have more influence and more impact in my current role. And, you know, when the time comes for me to, to move on from Team Rubicon, whenever that might be, like I will look for an opportunity to have similar or larger impact somewhere else. And, and if, it's, if, it's the, if it's elected office at that time, maybe. But I don't think it will be, frankly. Um, and I don't know. I, you know, people would love to say, "Well, Jake, go be the, go be a change agent in Washington D.C." I mean, come on, you guys watch the same. You know, you guys see the same thing happening in D.C. I, that I do. I, I just don't know that that's where. I just don't know where that's where my effort is best applied. I I am going to continue to push you on that because I think you'd make a hell of a senator. You'd make a hell of a governor. Uh, I said it out loud. I said Biden should have considered you for FEMA director. You know, next time they talk about a VA secretary, why not you? I mean, you're more qualified than McDonough, quite frankly. I mean, there are plenty of people that we can talk about. It's true. I think it's true. And, and he may do a great job. But, but in the years to come, I hope they think creatively about problems, but I also hope they think creatively about leaders, whether it's elected or appointed. You know, a, a guy like you, I don't want to hear you're too young or you don't have government or whatever the excuses are going to be. You know, you're a guy whose name should be on the roster for, for consideration for all these hard jobs that are an extension of, of service. And too often people can't get shit done in them, right? Like I take a whole bunch of Team Rubicon people, put them in the VA. That'd be a good group of get shit done people, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, 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 I know that you're not going to say yes, but I'm always going to push you on it and encourage you on it. The book is out, Once a Warrior. Everybody should check it out. Everybody should support Team Rubicon. Uh, one thing you did last time was issue a call to action. So I want to throw that one to you, Jake. What's, what's a call to action? What should folks do if they want to help or be involved? 
Well, I would say I would say this, you know, the, the, the fastest path back to normalcy for this country is through vaccinations. And, you know, we need to we need to get more Americans vaccinated uh, and we need to do it faster. And so if you're if you're that person that's on the fence, I'd ask you to do you know, do the research. Um, certainly it's you know, it's it is your body. It is uh, a new vaccine. It is an emergency authorization. But I, I am confident that this vaccine is safe. Um, I, I gain that confidence by doing diligent research, by speaking with the experts within Team Rubicon, our chief medical officer, epidemiologists, like find find credible sources of information, do your own research, come to your own conclusion, then go get vaccinated, encourage everybody in your circle to do the same. It's the only way we're going to get through this together. You know, Americans, we, we're always at our best when the times are at their worst. Like this can be no different. This is not the time to be fractured along these partisan lines. Now's the time to, to cross them. And, and, you know, we can debate something partisan on the backside of COVID, but let's fucking fight through this ambush now. I love it. I love it. I got to ask you, uh, did you, did you think that JJ Watt might go to the Packers? You know, you I were, did. I thought there was a good chance, but it uh, wasn't in the cards, I guess. Man, oh, there you go. The big pun. <laughs> What's that? I said big pun. It wasn't in the cards. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, that was not on anybody's. I didn't think he was going to the cards. I thought yeah, that was random. You know, I thought, shit, he, he might go to the Bucks or he might go play with his brothers in Pittsburgh. And I was really yeah. when he'd go to Wisconsin and maybe yeah. he still will. Right. Um, but last final question, I'm going to give you some gifts, uh, pancakes or waffles. You, this is a returning champion question. You didn't get this the first time. Uh, I'm not asking you the whiskey question, but you, you can only choose one. This is a place where, you know, we are normally independent and we are bipartisan, but you got to pick one pancakes or pancakes, waffles. Pancakes, man. So, say again? Pancakes. Why? Uh, they're easy, they're easier to make. So I make them like every, every weekend for my family. So any special stuff go in the Jake Wood pancakes? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm on these, uh, these, these, uh, these keto pan, like paleo pancakes or something. My wife bought this mix for, and they're, they're great. The Kodiak ones. Are they Kodiak? Birch, my- Birch something, Birch benders or something. Kodiak is my favorite. They're not a sponsor of the show. I would love for them to be. Kodiak <laughs> has been single-handedly keeping me alive in the pandemic with their nice. pancake, pancake in a cup. It's like 45 seconds, like a macaroni and cheese. Oh, it's great. 15 grams of protein. There's a plug, a free plug for them. Okay. But I'm also going to send you virtually some gifts. We got some new independent Americans gear coming. We got hats. We got camping mugs, which you'll probably okay. like. Um, we didn't have it last time, I don't think, but we're getting you some Uncle Nearest whiskey. Oh, I like that. Great American okay. whiskey continues to yeah. win some awards. I know you like whiskey. We've had a whiskey or two together. And uh, Easter's coming back. We're going to send you peeps. I know you picked oh, nice. up time. Nice. Your way. But uh, Jake Wood, you are one of the most inspiring dudes I know. Um, you continue to serve and sacrifice this country. I'm honored to know you. I'm so proud of you. We have so many friends in common, but every day, uh, I, I think if folks want to wake up and see what right looks like, they can look to you and your team. And I just want to thank you for all that you do and your family for all they do, especially when, frankly, you know, you're dealing with a lot of other shit too, and you're still helping others. You're a real inspiration in what this country is all about, my friend. So I, I thank you for that. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. Anytime. You got it, man. Stay frosty and stay vigilant. It's a mad world. But even in that mad world, there's hope. Like Jake shared about the birth of his beautiful and brave baby girl. Hope is the oxygen of our democracy, especially in our mad world, especially when times are tough, and especially now. 
as America's recovery continues and until we defeat the virus. And we'll still have to tackle things like mass shootings. They'll be back. But maybe we'll be more ready to face them now. Maybe that's a bit of hope. And that hope is the oxygen of our democracy. And our democracy continues to need that oxygen more and more by the day. But now, it's finally more contagious than the virus. We can all be like Jake. And our recent guests like Biana Goladriga, Wes Moore, Darren Walker, Evan McMillan, and so many others. Super spreaders of hope. So be like them and spread that hope whenever you can. Whether it's information about the vaccine, or how to help others get it, or plans you're making for when the country is back open this summer. Spread the hope. And keep the oxygen of our democracy flowing. Keep it gaining momentum. Hope is the air we need. So we gotta keep breathing, especially in a mad world. We gotta keep breathing. The vaccine is really picking up steam now. If it's not where you are, I promise it's coming. It's coming soon. Can you smell it? You can't smell it yet? Well, take a breath. It's coming. Breathe. Especially in a mad world, keep breathing in that oxygen and that hope and sharing it with others. Just like the heroes of the Team Rubicon Coalition and like Jake Wood. Be a helper. Spread the light, the hope, and the good information. Share info about vaccination sites, especially with older folks who might have a hard time finding it or folks who are reluctant. Share that good information. It's how we fight the virus and extremism. We can all be helpers like all those who stepped up. And just like Mr. Rogers told us about. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. This month is Mr. Rogers' birthday. And we can all be like Mr. Rogers and spread hope faster than the stupid. Be a leader who's setting the example. And leaders from all backgrounds continue to show that everyone can be a helper. We've talked about Dolly Parton. We talked about the Dalai Lama. We've talked about the presidents from all parties uniting. High-profile people getting the shot and showing what right looks like. People from all backgrounds continue to unite, to do the right thing, and to encourage others to do the same. More and more by the day. Now, if you listen to this show, you know I like to say, Stay Frosty. And the great Van Halen, of course, had a song called Stay Frosty. I journeyed to the north, you know what the preacher said. He said, I'm short to box with God, learn these words instead. Go to the reflecting, my advice is free. There's a trick to Christian values, and it's compulsory. Stay Frosty, that's what the preacher man said. Stay Frosty. His words still bracket in my head. Can't control your future, can't control your friends in a world without end. Now, the great Eddie Van Halen was lost in the last year. And maybe you saw a bit about it before or after the Grammys. And if you don't know, that's David Lee Roth singing. And David Lee Roth was followed by Sammy Hagar. And the very first Van Halen album featuring Sammy Hagar was released this month in 1986. And there's always a great debate about who people prefer, David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar. 
choosing between the two is harder than pancakes versus waffles. But choosing to get the vaccine is not hard. And check this out. Here we go, number two. Uh, 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 uh. I'll see you later. That's Sammy Hagar getting the vaccine. Sammy Hagar. And he posted it on Instagram with this comment. I dislike shots as much as anyone, but I want to get back to playing live concerts, traveling the world without putting anyone at risk, my family, my friends, myself included. Hashtag better safe than sorry. Hashtag let it rock. Sammy Hagar is getting the shot. And concerts are coming. Venues near me are starting to open. And we can have concerts this summer. From Van Halen to Justin Bieber to Blake Sheldon to just about everything in between, big and small. Because we're on the right track. Because the U.S. has now administered more than 120 million doses of the COVID vaccine so far, up 20% from last week. And check this out. As production ramps up, the U.S. will soon have more doses than people who want them. And the change is going to be pretty rapid. The director of the CDC says that supply and demand could shift in the weeks to a month ahead. Walmart, a major distributor of the vaccine now, has said the flip could happen within a month to 45 days. In some states, the shift from scarcity to abundance has already happened. In Idaho, where 20% of people have gotten at least one shot, appointments are going unfilled causing state officials to increase eligibility ahead of schedule. So the U.S. is at the corner and very close to turning it. And you can help us do it. Have the courage. Be like Dolly Parton. Be like the Dalai Lama. Be like my mom. Be like four presidents. Be like Sammy Hagar. Be like me. And like Dolly says, don't be a chicken squat. Get the shot. Be a helper. And now the VA is making it even easier. And some pharmacies are able to give it out if they've got extra. So call your local pharmacy and see if they've got extra vaccine that you can get at the end of the day. Keep trying. Get the shot. And if you've got it, help others get it. And if they haven't gotten it yet, help them stay frosty and supported until they do. It's an easy way that you can be a helper. And my thanks to all the helpers that made this episode possible, especially Jake Wood. The awesome Jake Wood. Go to teamrubiconusa.org to find out more about his important work. You can donate, you can sign up, you can share, and you can support the Veterans Coalition for Vaccination. Also, go get his book, Once a Warrior, How One Veteran Found a New Mission Closer to Home. And he has another book called Take Command. Go get them both. They make a great Easter gift or a vaccination gift, if those are a thing. Independent Americans are the future, and Jake Wood and his family and his entire TR team are yet another example. He's a true helper. And thank you to more helpers that made this show possible. The Righteous Media team, including Mighty Mercy Rich, Creative Chris Rosenthal, Brilliant Bill Schultz. And if you like this episode, go to the Apple Podcast Store and give us five stars. Subscribe for free and share. Go to independentamericans.us. You can find all our social media links and our new merch, including our very badass camping mug and our very cool Independent Americans hats. With the eye on the front, independent Americans on the back, they're stretchy, they're very cool, and they're very popular already. You can see them at independentamericans.us. We've also got that poll on our website, Pancakes or Waffles. 
And you can see video of this conversation with Jake Wood. You can see his cool backward hat. You can see his garage and what TR headquarters looks like. He's the first guest in a long time, maybe ever, that did our entire interview standing. But you can see video of that and over 100 episodes with everybody from Chuck D to Stephen Colbert to Pete Buttigieg on the Righteous Media YouTube page. It's all linked at independentamericans.us. We're going to continue to bring the light to contrast the heat and continue to bring the Righteous Media Five Eyes, independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. If you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, if you're an independent, if you care about this country, this is your show. All are welcome. And I invite you to join us and be a part of the solution. And join us on our Patreon community. For just five bucks, you get access to events, our guests, merch discount, exclusive content. Please check us out on Patreon and support this show. And my thanks to all of our fearless Patreon members who have already supported this show and keep us going. And stay tuned. We'll have more events coming up, including our April happy hour for Patreon members only. So check us out and support us if you can. My thanks to all of you. And of course, as always, my massive thanks to my incredible wife and my amazing two boys. It was Spirit Week in my son's kindergarten class this week. Spirit Week, Monday was Comfy Cozy Day, so they got to dress up in comfy, cozy clothes. Tuesday was Book or Movie Character Day. My son chose a T-Rex and Littlefoot from The Land Before Time. If you want to go in the Way Way Back machine, my son's watching Land Before Time. Wednesday was Royalty Day, and my son didn't want to wear a crown and didn't want to wear a cape, so we improvised and put some sunglasses on, and he went as Elvis, the king. I thought that was pretty unique, and then he informed me that there were 12 other Elvises at school today. Nevertheless, Elvis was the king, and we will salute him as often as possible. Thursday will be School Colors Day, and Friday is Hero Day. All of Spirit Week gives the kids and the parents and the teachers a reason to be happy, and a reason to dance, and to make the most of this time. We're trying to do that constantly in my family. We play lots of music from Elvis to Van Halen to Chance the Rapper. And we like to dance. And lately, yes, we've been dancing to Justin Bieber. My boys, my wife, my mother-in-law, and yes, especially me. We have been dancing to the Biebs. I got my peaches out in Georgia. Oh, yeah. I get my from California. That's that. I took my chick up to the north, yeah. I get my light right from the source, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Can I see you? Especially in a mad world, we got to make time for music and to dance. Even if for you, dancing is just bobbing your head. Because that music and that dancing gives us hope. And hope is the oxygen for our democracy and also for life. And that hope is here. It's right here now. And there is reason to dance. We are getting the vaccine. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And if you've already got it, you know what I'm talking about. And this week, my nephew got it. He works in a pharmacy, and he got an extra dose at the end of his shift. And tomorrow, my wife finally gets it. And I couldn't be more excited. It'll give me reason to dance. We'll all have our chance soon if you haven't had it already. And my second shot is in just two weeks. When I get my second shot, I will be dancing. I will be cranking up the music. And I hope when you get yours, you dance a little bit that day. And I hope we can all dance together on July 4th. Our Independence Day, or maybe sooner. America is on the comeback. So dance, people, or get ready to dance. And we'll keep this movement growing week by week by week. 
because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And with hope in our hearts, it's the path to better days. Pass the hope and know you're not alone in your vigilance. We are all vigilant. And we're all in this mad, mad world together. From Jake Wood to the FBI agents in the field right now, to Tears for Fears, to Gary Jules, to Sammy Hagar, to Justin Bieber, to you. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thanks for listening. Stay frosty and stay vigilant, America. Yeah. I get my light right from the source, yeah. Yeah, that's it.